0: Hi everyone, welcome. So I think uh, we should go ahead and get started. Um, My name's Imran. Um, I'd like to thank you all for attending the second of a four part series um, hosted by the Social Venture Forum. Now this is a sketch event, which has been led by the Queen Mary Social Venture Fund uh, in collaboration with the Social Impact Unit. Now, just to kind of highlight the uh, Queen Mary Social Venture Fund. um, I'm one of 13 student investors um, we are the first cohort uh, and this is the first student-led social impact venture capital fund. And we invest in student-led social startups within the UK. Now, the fund has immense support from the School of Business and Management and also Queen Mary University. Um, today, I'm joined by Ibrahim, Ered, Tirtha and Patrick, um, who unfortunately couldn't make it today. But um, you'll hear from them throughout and uh, get to see them also. Um, and I'm also joined by the uh, Queen Mary Social Venture Fund team who are in the audience with you guys. Um, so the Social Venture Forum, um, we're hoping that in hosting these events, we're able to develop a community discussion forum that kind of stimulates the discussion around uh, social entrepreneurship, investment, and also build a entrepreneurial uh, community within and also externally of Queen Mary. Um, So today uh, we want to focus on social enterprise for profit and we want to have a focus on the theme of funding. Um, So we understand this is a crucial step for a lot of entrepreneurial ventures and we hope to kind of shed some light uh, on a somewhat tricky hurdle. Um, Just to kind of run through a quick structure for today, um, we'll begin with a presentation uh, led by Eric, who you'll see in just a moment, on the kind of types of funding options available to entrepreneurs. Um, Next, we'll introduce Foundly, um, the CEO of which is a Queen Mary alum, so very proud of that. Um, They have gone through funding phases, and um, they hope to share their experience and key learnings. Um, After which, we will be taking part in a short and fun quiz um, hosted by Turtha, just to kind of test your knowledge on how much you've been actually listening throughout. And uh, there is a prize at the end of it. Um, and then we'll then move on to a panel discussion. Now, this will include Lav, who you will have met by then, um, who is the CEO of Foundly. Um, we'll be joined by Jim Shake, who's an uh, ex-MD at UMI and is the current uh, senior commercialization manager at QMUL. We're also joined by Adrian Signal, who is an investor at the Creator Fund, uh, who we work closely with, and also Tina Chen, who is the founder of Humanity. Um, so just kind of before we begin, I'd like to introduce uh, Dr. Joanne Zhang, who is the director of the Social Venture Fund, uh, just for a quick word. Over to you, Joanne.
1: Hi, everyone. Thanks, Imran. Thank you. And uh, also Eric, Abraham, and Tessa, and Patrick. You have put together a wonderful agenda tonight and an exciting panel as well. So uh, thanks for joining us to share your thoughts on how to build uh, social social ventures. So last week, two weeks ago, we had our first event really focusing on the sustainability, and today um, the panel discussion really focused on on funding. Um, As we know, cash flow is king, and a lot of startups won't have cash flow initially. So uh, how are we going to, you know, this is a crucial to the survival of uh, these startups. So let's find out what's the challenge and uh, how our entrepreneurs go about it. Okay, back to you then Imran, thank you. Thank
0: you, Joanne. Um, Just before we begin, I just wanted to quickly note that our fund is open once again, and we're looking for the next business to invest in in our next round. Um, If you are interested or know anyone that is or may potentially be, um, please uh, send over our details to them, um, there is a link that will be shared in the chat, if you could just check that out. Um, it will be for £15,000 equity funding. Um, so now we'll go ahead and move on to the first part, which will be a presentation by Erich. Um Over to you.
2: Thank you Imran for that introduction. Um, so yeah, as he said, uh, now I'll now be showcasing a presentation on the different type of fundings a social enterprise can go through in order to make a successful business. As Joanne kind of touched upon, funding is all about getting cash for your social venture as cash is king and funding is a requirement for a venture throughout its life cycle. So if we start now, next slide please. Cool, so today we're going to talk, so let's start with the basics, equity funding. What is equity funding? Well, equity financing is the process of raising capital through the sales of shares, which is a typical journey that startups go through as you kind of have to give something in order to get something back. And then why why do companies opt for equity funding? Well, companies raise money because they might have a short-term need in order to pay their bills or might have a long-term goal and require a fund to invest in their growth. How would you uh, consider equity funding? Well, equity financing comes from many sources, for example, a friend. Or entrepreneurs, friends, and family can be the first source of funding, whereas investors or initial public offering can come down the line as you kind of build up traction in your company. The next slide will delve into the ways equity finances usually comes through, which is series funding. Series funding is the most commonly used path for startups. This is a journey a company goes through in order to grow. They do this through raising capital, by selling their stocks to venture capitalists and angel investors. This is a constant journey of raising money one thing to know is that investors join in each series will only get a return of their investments if the company is either sold or has an initial public offering that kind of trades publicly on the stock market. The first stage is typically pre-seed funding. This is the way the pre-seed funding is open to your friends and families and also other entrepreneurs that are kind of willing to invest into the early startup of your uh, journey. And the next slide goes into the seed funding which is the first official equity funding stage. It typically represents the first official money that a business venture or enterprise raises. Some companies never extend beyond C funding into series A rounds or beyond. Uh, next slide, please. Uh, once a business has developed a track record that could include the established user base, consistent revenue figures, or other, some other key performance indicators, that company may offer series A funding. Series A funding is open to venture capitalists and other angel investors who can see that the company is on the right path for growth. And usually they can understand that whilst investing, they want to make a return on their money. And so companies usually end up with Series A funding in order to further optimize its user base and product offering. Moving on, we have Series B+. This can extend up into Series E, which is where all, of, all these rounds are about taking the business to the next level past the development stage series b funding is used to grow the company so that it can meet these levels of demand series b is often led by the many of the same characteristics as we find in series a but the key difference is that we now draw in more investors who specialize in later stage investing as necessary as you delve past into the different stages you're deemed as less risky to invest as you kind of have a track record of an established user base and you have a expertise of investors who have joined in the earlier stages so therefore the risk for the investor's perspective is lower and in the eyes of the funder you're able to gain more traction as well as more funding for you to take that business to the next level but um, but uh, moving on sorry um there's other types of funding which could be grants or donations which are usually what social enterprises look for grants are some sums of money that do not need to be paid back Therefore, that it gives you that accountability of not having to give off that equity in return of some money in exchange. Well, grant funding is typically offered by charitable, philanthropic, or government bodies. Rather than investing for a financial return, these bodies are investing in the social outcome that your enterprise offers. For example, the Global Innovation Fund invests in projects that improve the lives of the poorest people in the developing world. And these and this fund doesn't necessarily ask for equity in return, but rather it will Um, fund for the development of the society as a whole. Moving on, we have crowdfunding, which is aligned with a marketing strategy as well as a funding strategy. Crowdfunding is the use of small amounts of capital from many individuals to finance a new business venture. Crowdfunding makes use of the easy accessibility of vast networks of people through social media and crowdfunding websites. Examples include Crowdcube, GoFundMe, Kickstarter and Indiegogo. These allow to bring investors and entrepreneurs together, with the potential to increase entrepreneurship by expanding the pool of inve- the pools of the traditional investor by opening it to the people like me and you yourselves. Crowdfunding allows investors to invest from hundreds of projects and invest as little as ten pounds. It is interesting to note that females don't usually get funding through seed funding yet are more likely to get crowdfunding as a source of their funding techniques. Moving on.
3: Well,
2: we're going to t- talk about bootstrapping, which is building a company from the ground up with nothing but personal savings and cash coming in from the first sales. You're literally reliant on your own, which is a tough way to go. It places all the financial risk on the entrepreneur as the extremely limited resources can inhabit growth, prevent promotion and even undermine the quality and integrity of the product or service envisioned. On the other hand, the entrepreneur can maintain total control of all the decisions and the business itself. As as we'll talk later on that external bodies like angel investors or venture capitalists can actually be a negative for the company. And all the energy itself goes into the product, not into pitching venture capitalists and other potential sources of capital investment. So all your attention is on your product, which you can help develop it and make it grow. Studies show that 80% of startup operations are funded by the personal finances and the median startup capital is about £10,000. I think you guys are tired of hearing me speak, so let me introduce our showcase for this evening. Lav from Foundly has first-hand experience in boot shopping and will now present his journey
3: to you. Over to you, Lav. Hey guys, my name is um, Lav Minich and uh, I'm the founder and CEO of Foundly. So let me first tell you what uh, exactly Foundly is. Um, So Foundly is a company that is planning to enable all students globally to painlessly transition from education to employment. And how we are doing that uh, is by giving you exposure to industry professionals who are mentoring students on real life projects. And our, our, our key focus area is on promoting uh, this project collaboration between the student and experienced professional slash mentor. Now, there are a couple of ways in which we uh, basically get to these projects. One way, which is, let's say, the most intuitive way is that the mentor Uh, kind of is a project creator as well. Uh, The other way is that there is basically a triangle where you have a project mentor at the top, a student, and a project supplier. Now, this project supplier, for example, uh, can be an NGO or a charity. And this is actually a really cool model because, for example, right now we are talking to London Stock Exchange uh, uh, and they're willing to supply uh, uh, professionals to be kind of project mentors. And they love the idea of mentoring students. And they even, you know, they, they, they love the idea even more of mentoring students on projects for NGOs and charities. So if you, if you look at the model that we are kind of creating, there is this triangle. We are kind of testing all the people who can be mentors. So it's often industry professionals with a lot of experience, but it can sometimes be, you know, students who are, let's say, third years and have their own businesses and are willing to pull other students in to kind of get into their entrepreneurial journey as well, you know. And then we have students that is relatively intuitive and we all know who students are. And the third bit is project suppliers. So project suppliers, that is where we can be most innovative. It can be companies, it can be mentors, it can be NGOs, it can be governments, and we are right now kind of exploring with all of these options. Uh, now, let me let me focus on the bits that we uh, uh, that, that 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 we are kind of talking about right now and today, and that's funding, right? So yeah, we are a bootstrap startup so far, and you know I I, I can tell you that it's 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 extremely tough, right? Uh, uh, so, so basically how, what, what, what my mindset was, I wanted to start foundly even while I was at uni, but I didn't really have money. Right. And, you know, I couldn't really get an investment just on the basis of an idea. It doesn't really work like that. Or if it does, you have to be a serial entrepreneur who had, you know, multiple exits, and then you have credibility, and everyone knows that you're actually going to deliver on that business idea, and I was just a student. So basically, I had to kind of work and uh, try to earn my pre-seed money, let's call it that way, and so, you know, I, I, I basically did that, right? Uh, I went, uh, I was headhunted by Oak North. I was a bit lucky, uh, and yeah, I, I got, uh, uh, you know, a decent-paying job. Uh, stayed there for 18 months saved around 20k and after 18 months I was like okay you know I have uh, a, a personal runway to live and pay some you know basic expenses for another year you know uh, uh, and and that is when when I decided to quit and that is when when the roller coaster starts because you have the great idea and you uh, you know, uh, you're trying to form an uh, um, equally enthusiastic uh, uh, team around that idea. Uh, you, you, you have a very limited amount of money and you have a relatively limited amount of time as well, right? Because those 20K, like, they're they, they, they not going to buy more than, than, than a year time, right? And, and 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 that is when when you realize and when you kind of w- w- when that first reality check uh, uh, hits you and you're like okay I have to start budgeting I have to think about how much money am I ready to kind of spend on monthly on monthly uh, uh, basis and how am I going to minimize uh, my costs and the first big decision that I have to kind of make and it was very difficult for me was you know london is an expensive city right and fine i was lucky my cousins have a flat but still my life in london is expensive and and the first you know the 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 the, the first painful move was like I have to move out from London for the time being. So I moved back to my home country, Serbia, where it's realistically a lot cheaper. And, you know, I can live with my family. You know, it, it, it literally comes down to like they can feed me. And I'm not even joking because it is that level of cash optimization that you want to reach. And on the other hand, is that level of dedication that I had for my business to success to succeed, right? And uh, so, 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 so I did that, you know, painful but necessary step. Uh, I moved back home. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to lie, you know, I, I I kind of enjoyed it, but then again, I was used to London, used to my, you know, uh, uh, life over there, etc. Um, and yeah, so when I moved back to Serbia, um, uh, the 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 next big thing that kind of happened was, uh, my, my team that I initially had, that, that, that I initially formed in London, you know, uh, 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 started going through a crisis, right? Uh, and, and, and that crisis was tough. Okay. So, so first thing is, uh, uh, um, my, my partner, uh, Anna. Anna. Uh, uh, she thought that she could do bootstrapping, and she thought that she was ready for that, you know. And 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 what happened is that uh, uh, in reality she wasn't really ready, right? She wanted to keep her lifestyle. She wanted to keep her, you know, apartment in the UK. She was not ready to make the jump. And what happened is after uh, three months of working full time in Foundly, she was like, oh, "Well." You know, I can't really sustain my lifestyle, and I'm re- not really ready to 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 to, you know, forego this lifestyle for the purposes of building a business. So, like, you know, I'm kind of out. And and when when, when that reality hits you, you start kind of um, introspecting. You know, your own motivations, and uh, you know, uh, uh, if someone else is quitting who seemed to believe in the idea uh, uh, as much as you. Uh, you know, are you sure that you want to make this step? Are you sure that you're ready to make this sacrifice? So you know, that phase kind of kicked in, and 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 I had another part, partner as well, right? Uh, and I was like, okay, look, it's two of us. You know, he's a CTO, I'm a CEO. You know, uh, everything seems great. Um, and then obviously, yeah, he was spending some money as well, right? Because we we were kind of splitting the costs, and and actually some business. Costs, which were not too high, he was spending a bit more because he was still employed. So the idea is he's working, he's giving out some money, and I'm not working. I'm kind of sustaining myself and then, you know, uh, uh, investing where I really have to uh, have to invest, right? Um, and and the point there is, you know, if if I'm putting everything on the line, I constantly have this psychological baggage of like, you know, I want you to put everything on the line as well. I don't really want you to keep your little lifestyle and like, you know, uh, 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 earn that cash, be a partner in this business and bear almost zero risk. So at one point that didn't even, you know, that didn't really work out. And it's, it's almost, actually, I'm almost one year into the business. We went through the MVP phase. You know, we, we 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 were quite successful. You know, we had more than 2,000 students. Ibrahim uh, uh, was one of our students as well, uh, who used Foundly. We had more than uh, uh, 20 companies, uh, and and we started talking to like serious clients, so, like Cap Gemini, uh, um, which is literally the biggest corporate that we talked to, and to like really senior people over there, right? And 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 now I'm like, look, man, it's it's September. One year has passed. You have to make the decision, you know, you can either quit and uh, be full time with me because I need you or, you know, we are kind of going to part our ways. Right. And and I was hoping, obviously, that he's going to quit because I needed that extra energy. I needed that, you know, because when everything is on the line, you're going to put 500 percent in that business, right? You're, you're not gonna think about alternatives. You're gonna think about success and you're gonna make that success happen. That's the reality. And he was not ready to make that jump. And I was like, okay, no, we, 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 are, we, we have to kind of set some things uh, straight and, uh, and so all of a sudden I'm all alone in the business, uh, uh, spent almost, and yeah, actually almost half of my money, uh, maybe even more. And I'm like, you know, I don't have a a CTO. I don't have a technical co-founder. It's me who studied economics and politics. Uh, 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 I do not code. uh, Who wants to build a tech company? (laughs) And at that point, it was like I wasn't even asking myself if I'm going to stay and if I'm going to kind of, you know... uh, 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 try even harder. It was, I, I knew that that is the reality that I'm li- living in. And I knew that that is, you know, my call. I was like, you know, man, you don't want to work full-time, fine, you're out. Uh, I'm going to work full-time. I'm going to find people who are also going to work full-time with me and I'm going to make this uh, uh, this happen. And and when I kind of realized the level of dedication that I kind of have, which was not that easy to realize. So first year, I was not really sure, you know, I was dedicated, I wanted to test, I wanted to risk it, but I was not really sure how determined I am to actually see it through and to actually succeed. And, uh, and uh, by the way, we are, we are still very, very, very far away from the success that I envisioned. So like, uh, we, we, we haven't even started literally. Uh, uh, I don't want to, to make it sound that, 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 that we kind of, you know, are successful or whatever. it's it's, it's We're not there yet. Uh, and, and, and then, so, so that thing happened. Uh, kind of a crisis, but not really a crisis because now I really know that I'm kind of seeing this thing through. And, you know, kind of good things started gravitating towards me. Um, uh, you know, people who are really determined, who have a lot more experience than I do, uh, started kind of uh, seeing uh and and, and, and and valuing my my energy and my determination and my vision and uh, 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 my dedication. and uh, um, those things kind of uh, uh, really, really uh, s- s- uh, helped me get a super strong team of uh, people who have a lot of experience who, uh, you know uh uh so so, so yeah so, so basically th- at that point uh, a, a guy my new co-founder and uh, coo joined me uh he he um uh built a business uh, prior to foundly they built like uh, um, a booking.com for fishing trips called uh fishing booker and it's a company that's 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 uh Uh, valued at around 50 million, one of the biggest startups uh, in this region. And he was fifth employee there, like, you know, head of business development. Uh, He built out the whole sales function, uh, increased their sales from 50K to uh, 4 million uh, over the course of uh, five years. Uh, And... And you know, it's, it's he's a, he's a superstar. And then you know, finally the guy who was principal architect at at, at Microsoft uh, joined us as a CTO and third co-founder. So kind of you know, all those puzzles kind of started coming together uh, uh, w- when you go through that hardest, most difficult phase where where everyone fails, <laughs> and uh, or or not everyone, just ninety nine percent of startups fail. Uh, so so like. You know I I can I can, t- I, can li- I have so much materials and I have s- a lot of things to share and kind of put out there and, and 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 talk about but I don't want to you know overwhelm you first of all and then I, I also want uh, this uh, panel discussion to kind of happen so I don't want to hijack this uh, 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 this 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 meeting but anyway, uh, that's the real story of, of 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 bootstrapping, or actually, it's it's the top of the iceberg of, of, of bootstrapping and what it really looks like under the hood. And like, um, yeah, it's 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 painful, very painful. Um, uh, uh, but it uh, kind of you know it 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 helps you get that grit and 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 that you know grittiness and, and that. Uh, determination and it tests you like it it literally tests you like every single day so uh um so so you know if 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 you're if you're up for a crazy ride if you're up for a roller coaster and to test you know the deepest uh you know uh uh, weaknesses of your character and your your uh you know uh, uh 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 strength of will uh you know go go for 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 the boost, boot, bootstrap uh, approach, that's um, that's 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 all I can that's all I can say really, you know. Um, yeah, hope this was useful and interesting. Um, if not, let me know. Uh, honest feedback is always uh, very very much appreciated. So. Uh, you know, let me know if I'm boring.
0: <laughs> I'd like no, no. to change that. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we get boring from you. <laughs> um, yeah, thank you for showing that. Um, so, I want to get started on the next section, which is the panel discussion. Um, I know we've been waiting for that, and I'm sure you have. You guys have a lot of questions. Um, so, please feel free to ask them in the chat, and uh, we'll you know, ask them as and when uh, during the panel. Um, I'd like to hand over to erid to go ahead and cover that over to
2: you erid thank you emran um yeah just before we get into our interesting discussion i think it would be a good idea for everyone to introduce themselves since we saw a a short presentation and video from lav uh, let's move on to tina who's representing humanity so could you please introduce yourself tina and uh, what you do
4: yeah hi everyone nice to meet you virtually thanks for joining this call So I started Humanity two years ago, and it's a social enterprise producing ready to drink oat milk tea lattes in matcha and Earl Grey flavors. And it's inspired by Taiwanese milk tea. And we focus on using ethically sourced ingredients, um, using quality and low sugar, free from additives and creating something that provides natural energy without the crash of coffee caffeine.
5: Brilliant. Um, And yourself, Jim? Um, hi, guys. My name is Jim Shake. Um I'm a I work in the tech transfer office at Queen Mary Innovation. So we help academics to commercialize the inventions that they make at Queen Mary. Prior to that, I, um, I ran a business for about 10 years from startup to exit. And it was a business that invented a baby feeding bottle that warmed itself up. Um, we invented technology developed it and we ended up uh, selling in 20 countries around the world before i sold the business to a u.s company
2: brilliant brilliant very exciting i'm sure we're gonna hear more about that journey later on but uh, adrian could you please briefly introduce yourself as well
6: of course and uh, first of all thank you all everyone who kind of played a part in organizing this and putting it together um it's fantastic so far so yes my name's adrian i'm a investment partner at creator fund um and a bit about creator fund so we're a, a venture capital Uh, fund that invests in early stage startups so uh, kind of referencing the earlier talk so this would be pre-seed and seed and we do this um, it's university based startups is what we focus on all over the country Um, we invest up to 150,000 pounds um, and we're backed by Founders Factory and Eric Schmidt's um, Schmidt Futures. Um, perhaps a little bit more about me. Um, my kind of my day today is that I'm a PhD student at King's. Um, very different from my investor kind of life. I, I research viruses like HIV and and SARS-CoV-2. Um, but hopefully here today, I'm here to answer questions about kind of the investor relationship and how that is and provide a perspective um, on the investor side of the table. But um, very excited for the panel discussion as well.
2: Yeah, definitely. It'd be very interesting to know the investor side as well as the startup side in this panel discussion. So it'd be interesting to kind of delve into that in a bit later amazing stuff. So, um, let me just start with you love. Um, I know you have experience in fundraising both at Oak North and Foundry as you touched upon. So how did the fundraising differ between the two and what maybe some of the advantages and disadvantages of each of each of them? I know you briefly touched upon the advantages of uh, bootstrapping and the disadvantages, as you said, but again, could you just delve a bit more into like the two?
3: Yeah. I mean, uh, okay. That's, yeah, that's, that's, that's interesting. Um, So 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 look uh, at Oak North. um, The founders they have they're like serial entrepreneurs. Uh, They've previously sold their business for eight hundred million. So 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 like. when we were raising at oak north it was it was it was it was almost like going for an ipo because we were raising half a billion from soft banks so like you had most of the infrastructure uh you know you had all the fancy decks i had a team in india that supported me on making these fancy decks and kind of doing all different scenario analysis and calculations and fancy financial models and uh, you know, you, you, yeah, just uh, a lot of support, um, a lot of high-level connectivity. You know, uh, Rishi Kosla, the CEO and founder, he just simply has amazing network. Like, he's the guy who dines with, you know, Jamie Diamond, etc. So, like. Uh, in, in that sense it's it was it was piece of cake <laughs> uh, uh, but but uh, so, so, so so yeah I, I, I would say that I mean look I'm hoping that we are gonna get to that stage where 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 fundraising looks like at foundly like it did uh, at Oak north you know like fingers crossed uh, uh, but uh, but yeah right now I can tell you what our so we're we are right now kind of in a pre-seed stage we're looking to raise around 300k for 10% and we already have a couple of offers um, so in that sense how what, you know what, what we're really looking looking for right now we, we we had two offers so far one was from a vc fund and one was for from a company that would let's say you know be be closer to an angel investor but like a Corporate angel investor, whatever you want to call it, and and we, we we basically did two aikido moves, you know. Like they they came out with offers uh, to us, and we were like, okay, that's that's all great, uh, but what we are actually more interested in, you know, we want to do a pilot with you, and we we're like, that's going to be a lot more valuable, you know, for us than if you just give us money. Okay. So, so, so I I would say that at an early stage startup, the most important bit is uh, the timing. So, like uh, 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 if if we raised uh, that money a couple months ago without really having some uh, indication of where we should kind of look for that product market fit and uh, really, uh, 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 you know, have envisioned how we we're gonna scale but like really how we we're gonna scale not like you know just having some idea of how that scale is gonna happen uh, we, we that, that that money would just put a lot of pressure on us you know we would have people with some uh, expectations that are unrealistic for that stage so so uh, so you know investment in an early stage startup can either be the best thing that happens to you or the the thing that kills you so, so, you know, uh, um, I'm, I'm quite proud of our, you know, Jiu-Jitsu uh, and Aikido uh, 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 skills uh, because, yeah, so, so basically what we did, we tr- kind of transferred that offer into, okay, fine, that's great. You know, let's, let's put that on hold, but let's first do, a, first do like a pilot. You get to know us, get to know how we work, get to know how we learn and uh, uh, feel the value that we are creating Uh, uh, on your skin and then so right now we are we are basically running two pilots Uh, one is ending uh, uh, in a month and a half and the other one just started so so you know let's say in in two months we will probably raise that pre-seed round Uh, and 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 the second thing that's that's very different so oak north raise was very corporate You know, a lot of uh, legal stuff, uh, complex, difficult, you know, clauses and stuff like that. And at this stage, it's more, more friendly, you know, like I, I, I am only going to take money from a VC who I can drink a beer with. And I mean, like no jokes. So I I want someone who I can really talk to, who is going to support me, not judge me. And, you know, who realizes that I'm in this because I am going to make this happen. I'm not here to play like, you know, and uh um that that is kind of, you know, the the vibe that we are looking for at this stage and in this kind of ecosystem whereas at Oak North it's very formal, very, you know, co- complex and uh uh boring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I I I would, I would, I will allow myself to say it was it was a bit boring, you know. When when you think about figures, you know you get goose goosebumps. But 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 goosebumps. But but uh, but uh, in fact, the process uh, as such is not that uh, thril- thrilling, you know.
2: Definitely, yeah. You touched on a good point there about having the right investor in your company. Oh, yeah. so I'm going to move on to like tina i know you crowdfunded your business so that's kind of not having that control of kind of having that person and uh, actual investing in your company so what was that process like crowdfunding your business and were there any setbacks to that type of funding that you found
4: yeah so i did a uh, equity free crowdfunding on crowdfunder and it was in partnership with natwest and they were supporting female entrepreneurs so they actually offered match funding of up to 5,000 pounds if I raise 5,000. So it was super useful in that sense. And we ended up raising around 13K. And so that means I raised around 8,000 myself with the additional funding from NetWest, And I think crowdfunding is really great for consumer products because the people funding your products are people who want to buy it in the future in the store. And so I say any product that is um, like a physical product is really good for crowdfunding versus something that is super high-tech because something in super high-tech is something that an average consumer would not probably understand. And um, it's actually very good if you already have built up a crowd in advance of launching the crowdfunding. So it helped that I had started the company and was running it for over a year So selling my drinks in uh, farmer's markets and have built up this community that was following me on Instagram, uh, Twitter, Facebook, and also on LinkedIn. And um, prior to launching my campaign, I also did a lot of networking events where I met many people and have given out my drinks for them to try previously. So yeah, before launching a crowdfunding campaign, just make sure you have a crowd already in place, whether it's... uh, Yeah, weak ties, strong ties. And also if you've been able to collect some emails through a newsletter on your website, that could also be very useful because when you launch it, you can send out that newsletter blast to everyone that has been following you. But um, yeah, definitely recommend crowdfunding. It's very different, uh, the one, the type of crowdfunding I did versus uh, equity crowdfunding because equity crowdfunding, then you would give away parts of your company. And I was basically pre-selling my products in the equity-free crowdfunding. So in a way, it gave me the confidence also to produce a larger batch, meaning that I could sell those products to the people who are already prepaid for that during the crowdfunding campaign.
2: Yeah, that's really interesting. In and I just want to touch upon it just slightly, just the challenges of crowdfunding, because it's kind of a whole new strategy, like a new marketing strategy that you have to kind of endure and maybe even t- take time away from the product itself in order to raise that funding so did you find any setbacks in actually devoting that time towards doing that crowdfunding technique or
4: yes so fundraising is fun and raising together but it's not actually that fun in a sense because it does take up a lot of time and it is another job on top of your day-to-day operational work but um As they say, like fundraising is required if you need money into your business and people always recommend you fundraise before you actually need the capital. So the earlier you raise, then um, the less stress you will put on your business and yourself as well. So yeah, don't wait until the last minute when you absolutely have no more money and then go uh, fundraise. But yeah, raise before you actually need the capital. And Mm -hmm. I think it's just prioritizing, but I set up the campaign in a very short amount of time. So in two weeks, mm-hmm. usually people spend quite a lot of time. But given the program that I had joined, which was the NetWest Times, uh, NetWest and Crowdfunder program, everything was very uh, time time based. Like we had certain deadlines. Like we had to launch our page on this date, and then there was uh, you know competition. So after four months, after four weeks, they pick the top. 30 teams to give additional funding to as well. So everything was very time-based, but I managed to set up the page and get the video um, just recorded with the help of a friend. And that was, yeah, that was good enough for this type of campaign. And I think versus an equity crowdfunding campaign, when you're getting people who want stake in your company, then the types of video that you actually make for your campaign needs to be more professional. But for something that is an equity-free crowdfunding campaign it actually is quite popular with the consumer that it looks homemade because it shows that you are the for like you are the face of your business we're not corporate businesses trying to raise money like we put our heart and soul into our businesses and that actually comes through if you have a more homemade video
2: brilliant yeah that was some really great advice as well for anyone who wanted to crowdfund with understanding that marketing strategy uh, just want to move on to Jim now. Like uh, I know your experience is also in consumer products, and kind of your funding experience pertains to angels, if I'm correct in assuming. So, yeah. what are some of the advantages of having an angel on board in your company?
5: Um, oh, thanks, thanks, Herod. Um a- Angels have uh, their double-edged sword, really. So, there's advantages and disadvantages of angels. So, I mean, an angel. Um, if I go back a little bit, there's normally there's um, three types of angel that I came across. Um, the first type is somebody, we, I call them professional angels. so this is their job. Um, they have a portf- they have a, uh, a stack of money and they have a portfolio of companies and they' they're already they go out there looking for companies to invest in. So they're a professional investor, normally with their own funds, and this is what they do for a living. Then you get another type of angel who's a high net worth who's working doing something else, but is interested in maybe di- diversifying their portfolio of investments. Um, and taking sort of some high-risk, high-return type investments on board. And the other type is sort of amalgamation of angels together and you get a fund. So angels invest in a fund and that fund then invests in high-growth high um, businesses. So they're the three types of angels that you get. Um, when I started, I started with the professional angels. So these are people who are out there uh, looking for angel investment um, and um, high growth companies. Now, in terms of advantages and disadvantages, angels are sometimes called smart money. So as sort of Lab was saying, um, there's the money side of it, and then there's the added value of what the angel can bring. And that's normally their selling point, that they, they provide the equity funding normally, or loan or debt funding that you require. But they also try to bring something else on board. So they might have, um, I don't know, contacts in the industry that you have. They might have previous experience, and they can they can bring those added added elements to your business. So that's one advantage of the angels. Um, also, um, you might find that angels are sector specific. So there might be an angel who really likes a certain sector and so sometimes they may go with their gut feel more than a very professional vc approach and be interested in the business and be interested in helping the entrepreneur in that sector so uh, i'm not saying they do less due diligence but they probably don't do as much as the vcs tend to do and go through months and months of due diligence exercises um uh they're they're the main advantages but unfortunately then those same advantages can give you disadvantages so when you've got an angel you say that smart money so they do normally want to be involved in the business and so quite often they'll ask for board positions in the business and so you're going to have to share so you they'll they'll want a formal board structure so they can influence the business um and so, quite often, if you get a number of angels on board, you'll find that you've got a lot of people coming on board very quickly who are board positions. And when you've got a board position, there is some control and some uh, over the business goes forward. So, you've got to really understand that. Um, uh, also, angels tend to have, in the UK at least, a certain ticket price. So, you won't often get an angel who's going to go up for the full 300k. Their normal ticket price is between 20 and 50k in the UK. In the US, it's higher. Uh, And so if you're looking for two or three hundred K, you are looking for three or four angels to come on board. Um, And the last thing is, um, in my experience, at least a lot of the angels go to what I call angel school. So they've all they're all come with the same sort of formula. And sometimes there's things that you have to try to avoid. Sometimes they'll want to sort of wrap up their investment in a what's called a convertible loan or a debt it's it sort of debt, but it's masquerading as equity. And when you do that, you have to be a little bit careful because they're different instruments. Equity is one instrument, like a shareholder, debt's another instrument. And if you if you um, are a debt holder, then you have a little bit more control of the business in terms of getting that debt repaid. So you have to be a little bit careful with the terms that you agree to with angels. So hopefully that was useful. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And uh, I just wanted to touch briefly upon like
2: this misconception people have about angel investors, that. You need a personal network in order to get an angel investor on board so like can you just please briefly explain how you actually got an angel investor to
5: actually come and invest in your company uh yeah so um as i said there's the three types and so um obviously i mean I, I i went through all three types to be honest um some of the investors were people who knew me uh, but who are professionals their own right uh, <clears throat> the professional investors um There are various uh, angel groupings and networks that sort of inhabit London in in general, certain cities, London, Oxford, Cambridge, and and further afield. And so what you can do is you can, uh, um, if they're organized in a certain way, you can send in your your pitch. Um, The network will do a little bit due diligence. And then if they like what you're saying, they'll invite you to do on a pitch day. There may be eight companies coming together Uh, once a quarter and and there and you pitch to that angel network or angel group um so but once you've started that process you find there's a whole sort of network of pitching events and angel events that you get into um off off the back of that so i spent it took me a year from from finishing my business plan to having actually getting the money in the bank so it took me about 12 months to do that pitching identify the angels and and raise the initial raising that i needed to
2: Brilliant. Yeah. Very insightful. Very, thank you for that, Jim. Uh, Just moving on to Adrian now, uh, as an investor at Creative Fund, it'll be interesting to know what kind of approach you take in identifying what companies to actually invest in, in Creative Fund.
6: Sure thing. And just kind of to add some nuance to that, I think the answers that we've heard so far really showcase how it's very unique to the company, right? And every company has a different investment strategy and rightly so. And it's, if you're a founder, um, out there somewhere on the internet. Um, it's about finding what you know what fits for you and for an investor to answer your question Eric um, is it, it's very much the flip side of that, right It's what is right for us. So when you find investors it's very much a relationship um, hopefully the type of relationship that Lav is pointing to where you can go and grab a beer um, at the end of it all. Um, but I think it depends, right So the first thing to note about venture capital is that the type of investments we do we're very we're okay with risk. Right. I think that's a really important kind of point to make that we're looking for what is risky businesses, but we have to have a fundamental belief that, you know, they can achieve what it is they want to achieve. Now for VCs as well, pointing this out, you know, compared to crowdfunding angels and similar things, VCs have funds, they have to return a profit. They usually have, uh, you know, their own investors called LPs that put money into the fund and they're expecting to see a return. And given as you guys all know uh you know the, the number of companies that make it past their early seed rounds and actually make it is, is very small so we have to make sure that we can bet so for example in my case you know the lens we look at companies is well is this company going to be that company that if they make it they cover all our bad decisions as well um so that gives you a sense of scale and a lot of vcs tend to operate that kind of mantra um but when looking at the company specifically so with creator fund we we invest very early on right so at the pre-seed and seed stage so you know, it's very different from if you're, again, like Lav mentioned, if you're SoftBank, you know, investing very late, you're looking at a very different type of question and type of investment. For us, it, you know, there's all these things you can talk about, you know, the market and, and the product and whatnot. But for us, by far, the most important thing is the team. Um, we look at people because that's what you're investing in at this stage. You're looking at the dedication of the team, the expertise of the team. Do they have what it takes to make it? Because that's where the belief is, right? Um, Because, you know, as you know, with most companies, they can pivot, you can move around, but you can't really change the CEO or the founding team um, at its initial stage. So I think for us, that's, you know, in the beginning, right, when you're pre-revenue, you might only have an MVP or very early stage product. You might not even have customers through the door. It all comes down to the team and, you know, the potential of what we see, you know, can you grow it to that scale? And we have situations, you know, and I think this is really relevant to when we talk about social enterprises, right? We see a lot of social enterprises where, you know, the idea is fantastic, but it just isn't right for VC because it doesn't operate at the scale that we need it to be. Um, And that's where, like, I think um, Ritina was talking about, that's where crowdfunding comes in. There's, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of social enterprises that make a lot, you know, raise that way. And sometimes it can, you know, to kind of play the VC field to disadvantage, you know, sometimes it can, it can be bad. You don't always, you shouldn't always go with a VC because you can end up in this situation where, especially if you're a social enterprise, where depending on the VC you're you're partnered with and what their criteria is and what they try to go for. That can become a really sour relationship very quickly because they have expectations on you that you know that you can't reach, or it's not really your goal, right? Maybe your goal isn't to make a multi-billion-pound business. It's actually that you want to you want to make a profit to keep the business sustainable, but you want to also you know focus on whether that is a specific social impact that you want to do. Um, they're not mutually exclusive. You can have very big businesses that are also you know for good. Um, But I think understanding that differentiation is probably one of the most important things, both as a founder looking for investment, but also for us investors on our side, trying to kind of judge um, the different startups we see.
2: Definitely. Very interesting, because you touched upon something like with social impact, and we're going to delve into that a bit later on, uh, but it'll be interesting just to understand that, like maybe a social impact is not necessarily for profit, which may kind of inhibit venture capitalists coming in but again we'll speak about that later on i just wanted to kind of this is open to all the members but i wanted to actually get an investor's perspective as well as a founder's perspective on it is like what do you think the main challenges staffs face when fundraising so this is again open to all panel members if you guys want to volunteer Um, if not
6: i can go ahead um yeah so from an investor's perspective it's making that partnership, especially in early stage investing, that relationship between the founder and the the investor is incredibly critical. Um, especially if there's a board position involved, and similar, you don't want to be putting individuals on a board that don't serve, you know, doesn't have a common interest. Yes, they might disagree with you at times, but you have to have a common interest. So this is the most important thing. It, it goes both ways. Like I said, we need people that we can work with. We talk about founders being uh, coachable is is a classic term that we use. So we want to see founders that have conviction but also if we do invest in them they're ready to understand that we have a set of expertises or the, the you know the expertise we bring a it, it needs to be useful but you also have to be receptive to it so it's it's a kind of a fine line because you have to be you have to be really confident you your already have conviction but you also have to be have an understanding where okay well i understand this really well um, but i might need help here so that's from an investor's perspective that's kind of more specific but from my perspective it, it's really the kind of that relationship has to be there later stage it's more corporate it's probably less important but early stage investing um especially in terms of our fund we're a relatively small fund so at any given time you know we don't have that many portfolio companies so we're very involved with each of our portfolio companies so there has to be a a sustainable relationship there otherwise it it turns sour very quickly but again we get to hear everyone else's perspectives from the founder side
3: i totally agree that yeah, relationship is super important. I like hundred percent agree uh, uh, with Adrian. Um, I would just, I would just maybe like to go a step um, deeper. Um, so, so I think, I think that the key word there is expectations. Um, I, I, I think that um, the the most most like the most important bit is like what are a Uh, founders' expectations of the VC. So, you know, uh, what type of involvement, uh, what does the VC bring to the table? Will they kind of, you know, deliver on those things? And that has to be, like, super, super clear. Because in our case, for example, we are looking mainly, like, for VCs who have larger portfolios because there are distribution channels. Like, they will be... uh, uh, one of the key parts of our business, like business growth, the, 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 that is how we're going to fuel it. Uh, so and, and 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 vice versa, I think, I think, uh, understanding expectations from uh the VC, uh, uh, and, and 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 the investor is not as easy and not as intuitive as it might seem. But it is probably the most important thing for a founder to do. It's like you really need to understand, uh, kind of, you know, what are you expected to do, and you have to manage that expectation in the best possible way because uh, uh, that is where most of uh, uh, the friction happens, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and 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 I get, so 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 it's especially difficult with that group of investors so for example with a vc fine you have an early stage vc in most cases an early stage vc dealt with a lot of companies that are kind of early stage right especially if they have some kind of track record and you know they know kind of what to expect from an early stage startup they know what the tempo should be like they know kind of you know what their whole product market search uh, 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 brings with it but when you have new investors uh, uh, it's a bit tricky, right? Because like they might try to impose certain tempo that simply doesn't, you know, fit that situation in which those founders are and in which that startup is. It it, it, it can be kind of out of context. So understanding context and expectations of an investor uh, and vice versa, obviously, uh, uh, is, is 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 I think if I would break down relationship bit. I would be like expectations, context, kind of feed into uh, uh, that good relationship. I guess there are a couple more important things, but those these are kind of intuitively what come to my mind as 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 the most important. If 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 that makes sense.
2: Yeah, very very enlightening. Thank you for that. Um, okay, just uh, staying on the topic for a minute. Um, what do you guys think the future of fundraising looks like? I know Tina kind of talked a bit about crowdfunding and like, that's kind of picking up traction and popularity as, as you mentioned the advantage of it, Tina. But again, what do you guys think uh, the future lies in fundraising?
5: Where does it kind of stand? Um, if you want to go, Jim. Okay. Um, I think uh, following on from what Adrian said, it, it, it will be individual to the company. So we looked at crowdfunding, both um, for sale sort of non-equity and equity funding. And sometimes your funding round at the beginning can, can hamper your funding round later on. So don't forget, when you go for, for money, you're likely to go for more later on. It costs money to grow. Um, and so you've got to have a slightly longer term view on your funding. So it, it might be that, yes, yeah, it's great crowdfunding. It's really good for certain types of products, but it may not be for other types of products as you go on. For example, we looked at um, crowdfunding equity funding. But if you then move on down the line and you're growing, and we were a product company, so we need lots of money to grow um, in terms of fiscal product. Um, if you've got 50 crowdfunded investors, a VC down the line or a private equity group won't like that very much. It's too many shareholders to deal with these sorts of things, and you might need to rationalize your. Your, your shareholder base. So I think you've got all these different options now, and I don't think there's one option that is better than another, but you've got horses for courses, and you just have to think that um, you will constantly need money as you grow, and don't stymie the, the later fundraising round by, um, uh, let's say, putting yourself in an alley with the initial fundraising round. No,
2: definitely, definitely. And uh, I just want to give this over to you, Tina. Like you, as Jim touched upon, like it's not necessarily you kind of honed into just crowdfunding. So have you got a future outlook for Human Tea and like the future fund- how the future fundraising, looks for like for your company?
4: Yeah, so I'm actually thinking about equity crowdfunding for future. I think crowdfunding is very good for consumer facing products. And it's a, a successful story would be, uh, for example, BrewDog. They've done really well doing equity crowdfunding. And because it's a product that people consume, uh, consumers are very in touch with the product. That is actually helped the brand grow and brand awareness has increased because people were so into buying a share of BrewDoc when they were back then crowdfunding. And it's only helped with their brand recognition uh, globally. So that's definitely something that I'm looking at. And... I think that, for example, one reason that I haven't looked at BC or Angel is because I also think that my business is still growing. It's still at the early stages and I'm not ready for the valuation as well because so far, like we have around 20, 20 stores around London selling our products and actually one is close to queen mary it's called Foldo and mile it's very close so queen mary students can go check it out (laughs) and so yeah that's definitely something further down the line i would think of equity investment and that's why um prior to that i've only been doing equity free because i i'm not ready to evaluate it at a lower um, i guess at a lower amount because right now we haven't Made enough sales to say that I want to evaluate it at a few million, for example. So it only makes sense later if I'm able to get into some major stockists that I can say, oh, I want to evaluate the company at this, and I want to give 10 um, percent for you know 150k versus now they they can tell me I I can buy your company for just a few thousand, right? So <laughs> I think it's when when the, I feel ready that the company has shown enough traction that I would go for. Uh, equity crowdfunding or through a VC or angel, but I think if, uh, like Adrian pointed out earlier, that if your company I think is more high tech, for example, you can. It's really based down on the people. So if you have some patented technology or the team is like all oh, ex Google, you can say some kind of pitch like, um, just like a really nice slide deck, and people will give you money because is really now down based to the technology the team uh, versus something that is low tech like my product is easier barrier, to, um, yeah, is lower barrier to entry. The only thing setting my product apart really is the brand. And so uh, I think that's the difference depending on the type of product and the type of company you have, what type of funding you go after at the beginning. Yeah,
6: I was about to just comment on that because I, I think what Tina pushed points about. I think it's a really good way to think of it. And to comment on your first question, because I think it's a really interesting one where the future of fundraising is. We've seen, if we think of think it macro for a couple of seconds, where we've seen this massive influx of capital in early stage. And I guess, you know, the economists out here can tell me it's because of low interest rates or whatever it is. So, and I don't see that changing, right? There are new funds popping up left, right and center. They're becoming more specialized. So that's something to be aware of. And, and I think that's almost a good thing for when it comes to social impact and social enterprises, because there's a lot of funds that tend to focus on that um obviously we have like the gates foundation and a lot of philanthropic you know funds that don't necessarily take equity but to answer tina's question i think something it's almost a word of caution here right because you know i can think of the top of my head a lot of vcs and a lot of angels that would have invested in something like humanity very early on because people that's kind of what's happening people are investing early and early you know i see vcs that invest at the idea stage now which may sound ridiculous you know maybe 20 years ago it was ridiculous but right now that's absolutely what's happening so again it's 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 a kind of a word of caution for all the founders out there to really have a think about the value that gets added and what stage you add it, right? Because the truth is you can find money, um, institutional investment, angel money at any stage of your startup right now, no matter how early, that's just how it is. Mm -hmm. But you have to have a really good think about when it's most needed and when you actually would make use of it. Because otherwise you're putting yourself under a lot of stress and a lot of pressure. If you get enticed very early on and someone says, look, I'll give you 100K for this, um, and again, you might get loads of dilution because they only, value, you know, we have this all the time with companies where they've been approached with VCs that almost a little bit predatory in a sense where what they do is they give them really low valuations um, and they give them a 50, you know, a 50K check, but at a very, very small valuation. So they're already diluted so much, those founders. And down the line, if you need to find money down the line, you're going to be diluted diluted so much that eventually, you know, you're not going to have that motivation to keep growing this company because you'll have so many people and with so many opinions. So I think it's kind of a word of caution here to look that there is money throughout this whole process. But as a founder, you have to have a really good think about when is the best time. And, you know, it might never be the best time. It's always a difficult answer. But I think being aware of that is really important. So you don't just automatically the first time someone offers you a big check that you just take it and go with it, um, because it's a lot more nuanced than that.
2: Definitely, yeah. I think that's very crucial advice for any aspiring founders here, just to understand that when is the right time. Cool, thank. You. I just want to shift gears slightly and talk more about social impact. Nowadays, social impact is an important category for stars and investors, given the new modern view of capitalism that is not necessarily focused on straightforward profit and involving wider stakeholders. Adrian, if I could start with you, what are your thoughts on the idea of investing in social impact businesses?
6: So I think we, we've spoken about this briefly. So it's a topic that um, I'm quite passionate about. And, and the reason I'm passionate about it is perhaps not for the best reasons. And that is because that word social impact, impact investing, it gets thrown around a lot. It's definitely by institutional investors. And they use it as a buzzword. And what it actually means is it actually takes away from the companies that are actually doing social impact for good. I gave the example in a call we had where, you know, there's a number of companies that think they're doing social impact just because they're hiring people or that. And, and, you know, I think it's up for everyone to make their own definition of what social impact means and what that means in in the context of investing, Um, because it is kind of it's very open ended term. Right. Um, For me, it's interesting. Right. You don't have to be in a specific sector. You don't have to be in solar or renewables or anything like that to, to be considered a social impact fund. Right or a social impact company, whatever it is you're building. For me, I think it's important that, you know, yourself and potentially investors take a look at, again, aligning, again, maybe speaking to what labels you have to be really aligned about the expectation of that is, right? How does that play into profits? Does it play into profits? How much are we willing to sacrifice profits for something that, you know, is benefiting other people? And what does that mean? Um, From my perspective, obviously I, a creator fund, I lead a lot of the the life science deals. And for us, um, that's almost an easy decision for me because it's, you know, when it comes to investing in whether that be vaccines or therapeutics or companies that are you know involved in digital health, it's quite an obvious relationship how that is something positive, but I can see that in, let's say consumer goods. So it'd be good to hear um, Tina's opinion about this. There it becomes more complicated, right? Um, you know, what makes a, a consumer goods product like humanity? What makes that, so, you know, doing something social good? Does it have to do with the product, the materials, um, the clients who you employ? I think there's so much nuance there. Um, But it's really about kind of aligning with whoever it is you're you're discussing this with um, to make sure that you're aligned on that topic um, moving forward through that journey. Yeah,
2: no, definitely. Like you literally raised me up to my next point of like kind of asking Tina and Lab themselves because I know your business is kind of focused on social impact. So I just want to know how social impact specifically resonates with your approach to business. Um, Either Tina or Lab can answer that one first of all.
4: Yeah, so it actually has to do with a lot of what I wanted to do as a founder, I wanted to start a business that has social impact because as a founder, you get to make that decision. Um, no one is, you're not in the corporate where the values have already been written. So I got to do that. And so I set up the business as social enterprise. So we actually changed our articles of association in our, uh, to create a mission lock so that when further people join down the line, like board of directors, they cannot change that uh, mission lot because it's actually legally binding document in our articles. And so I got that set up through the help of Cambridge Social Ventures. It's a 12 month accelerator program through University of Cambridge. And that was really helpful. And so our mission is to support well being and sustainability initiatives. And we do that by donating 5% of our profits to support um, those types of initiatives. And then another part of the mission log is that we, we uh, promise to use ethically sourced ingredients and also create low sugar drinks. So no matter in the future, if we are bought out by another company, um, humanity will always be producing low sugar drinks using ethically sourced ingredients. So fair trade organic and using plastic free uh, packaging. So this is written so that in the future, if someone does take over, this cannot be uh, written away from the company. And I think that's very important because, for example, uh, Lush, I think, was set up as quite a social, socially minded business. But when they were taken over by larger corporate, a lot of those values were erased. And their original consumers who liked the product actually no longer really liked the product because it was taken over by a big corporate. Mm-hmm. And so I think um, getting those values written down and formally documented um, is very useful for a social enterprise.
2: Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. Uh, I just thought, uh, just moving on to like Jim slightly, just kind of talking about that nuance and how Adrian touched upon like that ever expanding definition of social impact. So I, w- I was just curious to understand how you define and kind of attribute social impact.
5: It, uh, probably what Adrian said it's really tough because um, my, my business was invested in by investors who want to return. And, and, and so it's really tough. Then I my, my product, our product was a baby bottle that would help premature babies in particular, um, take on mother's milk when, rather than shifting straight to formula. So there, obviously there's a social impact there, there's a social good. Um, but I would say that our investors that invested in the business as we grew weren't necessarily that that was a nice thing to have, but there was a profit motive and it, it's really tough then. To, to keep that, as, as Tina said, uh, we didn't write into our articles, but it was really tough to keep those values going through the business as it grows and, and, and it moves around the world where, let's say we're we're selling in some countries where uh, a social impact is defined differently to the social impact defined in the UK. Um, and and the social good may be defined differently as well. So as you go international. So it's really quite tough. And so from our perspective, um. We, had quite, uh, we, we tried to keep the focus on the benefits of the product and the benefits to the end user and to the mother and to the baby. That's our focus. So that's where sort of you, me came from. It's you and me. So that, that was driven through the brand. Um, but again, we, we, we drove our values through our, the team, the hiring, um, our end customers who bought into that brand and then our suppliers as well. Um, And that's really as far as you can go um, from our point of view, because at the end of the day, as Adrian said, when an investor is investing in the business, they need to make a return. So it's a balancing act as you go through trying to keep that that, that brand values going uh, alongside a a profit motive.
2: Definitely, definitely. Very, very interesting. And I don't know if Lav is still with us, but it'll be interesting to get his idea on how social impact resonates with his approach.
3: Um, Sorry. Um, so yeah, I mean, look. Uh, the reality is, uh, um, Foundly is really all about social impact. So so it's like it's like wherever you look, it's it's really about social impact. We are we are kind of focused on solving a real problem, and we can talk about mental health that is caused by uh, uh, you know uh, students' stress. Uh, uh, about finding a job, et cetera, et cetera, not having a clear vision on their career. Like there are a lot of studies on that topic. So like we can we can look at it from that angle. Then we can look at it from an angle where we are try literally triangulating uh, 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 corporate mentors, students, and NGOs and charities, literally helping, you know, charities do more projects and uh, uh, helping companies like... Uh, uh uh achieve more impact than ever like they're mentoring the student helping them get work experience by helping charities do do more work so like you know family is engineered in such a way that 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 it's really all about social impact so like uh, uh and 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 investors understand that that is what they get like when we talk to Uh, Even when we talk to corporates, we hit uh, uh, a couple of uh, key points. So one point is that social impact, it's always in the conversation, always, always. So we're always under that umbrella. The other bit is obviously pipeline for the best talent. And the third bit is... Uh uh, uh uh upskilling their employees so believe it or not there are a lot of studies done by Harvard how mentoring helps mentors mm-hmm. improve and like continuously evolve and learn about themselves and improve, improve their leadership skills communication skills management skills you know zero-based certain things so like you know it's 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 it's, it's really like we we right now unfortunately we don't have capacity to like create these white papers but once we get into that mode uh uh yeah there's going to be a lot of thought leadership uh around how to make a hundred percent impact first company like our motto that i'm writing on linkedin and everywhere it's like you know uh uh, impact before money definitely that, that 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 is what we're all about because we know money will follow. Like it's it's easy to monetize things once you really create real impact. It's 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 not that that's not the hard bit. The hard bit is to make an impact. Definitely,
2: uh, definitely resonates with a lot of the audience members as well. Because I, I just want to be conscious of the time and kind of leave some time open for some Q and A's that we've kind of been getting into the chat. And one of the questions um, specifically asked: uh, Do certain founders Uh, or funders sorry like investors require evidence of the intended social impact outcomes and an evaluation so maybe uh, adrian is best suited to answer this kind of question
6: yeah so i think there's there's again there's a nuanced answer there as well i think moving forward yes we'll see more and more Mm -hmm. but i think the important thing here is it's it's as soon as you set a really tight guideline, it means you it's very hard to cover that throughout all companies and all, you know, little criteria that is very hard to measure. Right. And I think Laventina can speak to that. It's hard to measure how much impact you're doing. So I think you see it written into bylaws. You see that Sydney, you know, how VCs are being set up. Now you see that there's a kind of um, there's motivation there. I think more than anything, it's, it's about the people you hire and it's about the investors you get on board. So like we talked a little bit about VC structure, um, the, the most impactful funds. They're not necessarily writing things into their bylaws that says you have to invest in these businesses. What they're saying is that they're actually making it part of the recruitment process. So everyone they hire in has a strong passion towards it, but also the investors. So the investors of the venture capital funds, the LPs, they vet them and they make sure that actually you need to understand that this is how we invest and you have to be on board with that. So that's kind of one nuance to it. Um, Obviously, you see a lot more kind of defined guidelines when it comes to finding you know, more like philanthropic funds that kind of give funds without necessary equity or similar. I know if you go to something as big as the kind of the Melinda Gates Foundation there, you have to very, very define, you have to define exactly what you're doing and how it is impactful. Um, but for small stage VCs, I think it's difficult for us to kind of have a pipeline and a framework that allows us to analyze companies in depth. So it becomes, and this is a problem, I, you know, I'm fully aware it becomes kind of our own judgment Mm-hmm. um which perhaps isn't a good thing and you know we'd be happy if anyone has a kind of opinions about how to improve that i'd be happy to hear that but i do think moving forward we're, the, the mindset
2: is shifting slightly well hopefully yeah because i uh, just it's going to come on to my next question from uh, patrick in the audience it's kind of like also kind of touching on this point of like let's say how you mentioned briefly about greenwashings where companies may intend or show a, a social impact but not necessarily convey it in a way so Patrick asks, especially specifically to Lav, how do you measure the impacts that you mentioned, for example, in Foundly? How could we have an evaluative measure to understand, yes, Foundly is doing this and that?
3: So look, the first and the, uh, I actually answered to Patrick that that I will answer on LinkedIn, but since we have more time, I thought that it's gonna end now. Uh, but since we have more time, sure. Uh, so the first and, and, and like the most intuitive way to do it and, and, and how we're doing it at this stage, is by being close to our customers. Mm -hmm. So we are right now at a stage where we are actually learning how to have that relationship that will enable to pick up all the signals from the customer base that is kind of coming our way. So we are really trying to uh, capitalize on that feedback loop where we are getting into the nuances of impact that Foundly had on them and then how that impact was kind of made viral. Like how did they then kind of, so, so Foundly impacts one person, but what Foundly really wants is for that one person to then impact another, another five or 10. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and that is something that we are right now focused uh, on capturing. One way is obviously through uh, tech, Uh, uh, And the other way is by being very present and having like, uh, uh, you know, just really following uh, uh, social media because right now people are talking about us on LinkedIn and then, uh, you know, we want to see and track uh, uh, what impact we create and uh, uh, what conversations do we start and what topics do we raise and uh, those, are, those, are, those, are, those are some very basic ways in which we are currently tracking our impact. Uh, uh, we have a lot greater plans that uh, require uh, uh, a lot more engineering, to be very honest with you, because we want to have literally our own like impact uh, 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 matrices. And, uh, uh th- 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 a lot of work will go into that, uh, but it's super important to us. And it's something that we, uh, you know, we, 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 we really care about. So we will put a lot of effort, time and money into, uh, into innovating on that front. So look, we are innovating literally on all fronts on like culture, on, uh, 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 uh monetization on fundraising, uh, everywhere, like wherever we can see a chance that something can be done better, we are going to do it that in, in that different way, at least. Maybe it's not better, but we're going to do it differently, okay? And, and that, that is one of our, our values, like always, always innovate.
2: Cool. Thank you for that. I just want to get to the last question. Just one uh, one top tip each of you can give for Abby who asks, what tip can you offer for the perfect pitch deck? Uh, obviously, I'm conscious for the time, so can we make it like a quick sentence of what you think uh, abby can do to make his pitch deck better um if we just kind of go from idrian and down to jim t9 and love and then we can just wrap up give the key points and then move on great i could speak
6: to this forever so Avi, if you want to reach out to me after we can we can chat or i can answer it over an email um yeah it's it's a hard thing showcase that you have short your very very in-depth short-term vision but your short-term kind of the next eighteen months, you have to have that planned out in very much detail. But also, you have to be able to showcase that in you. What is your future vision? What do you want to build in the long term? And being able to balance those two and put that across in a pitch deck is probably the most important thing for me.
2: Thank you, uh, Jim. Just one
5: top tip for Abby. Um, quite often in pitch decks, you see I talk about something that you, that maybe uh, turns people off rather than a positive, so not a negative, which is you see that you. You scale a business and say, this business is worth 50 billion around the world and I will take 1% of it. So my company's worth X, Y, Z of that. So that's not realistic at all. So quite often a top-down approach is not really good in terms of market sizing, but a bottom-up, i.e. I'm going to sell 50 products a week in 50 50 stores. And that's more realistic and understandable. Thank you. And uh, just Tina?
4: Yeah, so simple deck usually i have problem solution and in with the ask so i think those are and of course the team i think those are probably the most important slides always have the ask uh, included but just another thing is not related really to the pitch deck but look at all other forms of funding as well i know we talked a lot about vcs angels but also grant funding is a really good way of getting money especially for social enterprises there's a lot of companies offering or um, non-profits offering funding for this, like Unlimited. They fund a lot of social enterprises. And so, yeah, definitely look outside just of what we talked about today as well. And those type of applications are very different than like a, uh, applying to a VC. So, yeah, the pitch deck will also be different.
2: Thank you, Tina. And uh, finally, just, lab, just one quick one tip for Avi on his pitch deck.
3: Um, So, I mean, um, uh, okay, I'll be very, very real. Uh, VCs can see through bullshit, as simple as that. So just be real, Uh, you know, just, you know, focus on the actual value that you felt happened through that process and capitalize on that, like capture it, capitalize on it, and that's it. Because if you're going to put some fluff in, some bullshit in, you're always going to, you know no one's gonna talk to you, and 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 a lot of like 80%, like you know, Adrian knows that better than me, but I, I think that like 80% of decks are just sorry to say, but bullshit, and you can you can you know sense it from a mile away. So, uh, you know, th- that's the, the simplest, quickest, easiest tip that I can. Uh, uh and, and and by the way, my first deck was 100% BS. Like I'm like, and I'm aware of that. Like I, I can even circulate it. So like uh, I went through that phase. Like uh, uh, so 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 I'm 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 coming from my experience, you know. Um, yeah.
2: Cool. Thank you for that, Lab. Um, I just want to wrap up now. Just say it was very enlightening. All your conversations, all your experiences, and it's like the key takeaways for me was the fact that understanding what fits for each individual's business and not necessarily each funding type is right for everyone. So that's kind of managing your expectations for what you want in your business and also kind of building the relationships that are key in understanding what you you want for your business and for the future of the business. I just wanna give a a huge thanks to Adrian, Jim, Tina and La for taking your time out and educating everyone else here on your experiences. And uh, again, thank you for your time.
0: I just want to quickly thank everyone uh, for attending today. Um, the co-hosts who have helped put this together, the teams behind the, uh, behind the scenes. Um, Patrick, who couldn't be here today also, um, just for helping this event happen. Um, we've got two more coming up and uh, please make sure to check out our social media. Um, we'll be posting updates, um, content, etc., cetera, um, for you guys to share and uh, uh, watch and listen and read. And again, one more time, uh, the Queen Mary Social French Fund is open for a £15,000 equity investment. So again, please share um, if you're interested, if you know someone that's interested, um, get the word out. And um, just to wrap up, please stay safe. Uh, fingers crossed we'll be back to normal life, hopefully by June, July-ish, if uh, Boris's plan goes to, <laughs> goes to Um And just again, thank you.